Hello, this is Reverend Erechim. I'm glad to come to you through this medium. As you listen to the word of God today, I pray that you will be impacted, your life will be transformed, and you experience God. Kingdom blessings. Praise the Lord. Shall we say a word of prayer that we kindly take our seats? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. For unto you all flesh shall gather. Lord, once again, we have gathered before you to receive from you. Thank you for an opportunity like this to fellowship with you through your word. As your word comes, Lord, we pray for understanding. I pray that, Lord, you grant me utterance as I bring your word to your people. May our lives never remain the same again. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Let all the saints say aloud, amen. amen. It's a month of covenant, so I'll be sharing along that line. Praise the Lord. For the past weeks, we have been blessed to receive divine truth on the subject of covenant. And... Um, over the period, it has given us an understanding of what it means to covenant by sacrifice. What it also means by the power of covenant. And then how to engage our covenant through commitment to God. Through our commitment to the church. Through our commitment to pastor. Then also, you've also got to understand how to build covenant relationships. Because covenant goes beyond just us. But extends to our generations after us. Then last week, we also get, got to understand the covenant of prosperity. But then again, last month was a month of covenant, but for God to re-echo it again this month through our Father implies that he's up to something. And therefore, as a church, it's important that we allow ourselves to what God is doing in this time. As children of God, there's a lifestyle we ought to have. There's a lifestyle we ought to sustain by reason of our covenant relationship with God. That lifestyle guarantees several things, several blessings. But then again, it is important to know that to operate from the place of advantage... We have to know and understand the blessings that God has made available to us by reason of our covenant relationship with him and then take advantage of it. Through our scripture, we see how God related with people through covenant. And there are several instances scripture attests to the fact that our God is a covenant-keeping God. He's not just a covenant-keeping God, but he's a God who also makes covenant and keeps it. But we must understand that even though God has made such provisions available, it won't just happen for us. But I mean, by that I mean the extent to which we get to enjoy God is dependent on the degree to which we engage our covenant relationship with Him 
and activate it. Because, for instance, assuming you have a health insurance and there are several blessings made available to you as a result of that policy, if you are not aware of it, you would end up paying for something the policy covers. In the same way, although God has made several blessings available by reason of our relationship with him through covenant, it's important for us to take advantage of that. Because in the day we are in, we need to be able to engage our covenant relationship, considering what is happening around us now. Because it is through our covenants that we gain strength and power for the years ahead. Having said this, what then is covenant? Covenant is a formal and legal binding declaration of benefits to be given by one party to the other with conditions attached. It is also a sacred agreement or mutual promise between God and a person or group of people. Now, um, a covenant is different from a contract, even though a contract also occurs between two parties. But the difference is that when it comes to a contract, it is between two parties on the same level. By the same level, I mean being on the same level provides the avenue for negotiation. So, for instance, Mr. A wants to go into agreement with Mr. B. So, they sign a contract because Mr. A has something Mr. B needs. Mr. B also has something Mr. A needs. But there are terms and conditions that apply to the contract. But one person, one person violates the terms and conditions, the covenant no longer holds. But with God, he determines the terms and conditions. So that's the level at which we operate with God. He determines the terms and conditions. Why then must we engage in the covenant? We must engage in the covenant because, one, the covenant speaks. Even though the covenant wasn't directly with us, it was made with Abraham with us in mind. That is why scripture tells us that we who are in Christ Jesus, we are the seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise. A heir is someone who is entitled legally to an inheritance or property or a rank or position. And scripture has given us several instances. Again, when we look at scripture, we realize how God introduced himself to Joseph. He says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. By that introduction, what God was doing was to tell Joseph, I related with your forefathers at this personal level. But once I've established that covenant relationship with them, in dealing with you, I'm also relating with you at this personal level. And because we are descendants of Abraham, we are also affected by the covenant. 
So even though several blessings were made available in the covenant, as children of God, we have access to them because the covenant still speaks on our behalf. Praise the Lord. Let's read 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 3 to 5. It says, Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and belt. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war. And he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Praise the Lord. In the verse we just read, we see Jonathan and David enter into a covenant relationship. And Jonathan does something remarkable. Bible says he takes his robe and gives it to David. And it wasn't just an ordinary garment. It was a symbol of identity. So by that act, which... Jonathan giving his robe to David. What it actually meant was that he, Jonathan being the king's son, he's trying to tell David that I'm giving you, I'm giving you my position, which also comes with possessions. So by that, any place he's seen in that robe is a symbol of royalty and the position he occupies. So he's telling David, I'm giving you my position and then possessions will also come. And then uh, the, uh, my position also comes to possessions to meet every need you have. Then he also says, I'm giving you my sword. Sword is for, for war. So he says, whoever fights you, fights me. Interestingly, that is similar to what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. When he traded his place for us, by reason of that, we had access to the Father. That is why, as children of God, because of what Jesus Christ did for us. Hebrews now tells us that we cannot come boldly before the throne of grace, not as beggars, but as children of the Most High God, to request of whatever we need. Not only did Jonathan give David his robe, as I said, he also gave him his sword, signifying that he's going to be with him. He's going to fight on his behalf. Whoever touches him has touched him. Now when we read 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1 to 7, something interesting happened. Having established that covenant with David, once upon a time, Jonathan was no more, and David was on the throne. As to what triggered that question he asked, which you're about to read, we all don't know. 
But I believe it was because of that covenant relationship he had with Jonathan. Second Samuel chapter 9, verse 1 to 7. Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, At your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul? to whom I may show the kindness of God. And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan, who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, And then he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodibar. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodiba. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Here's your servants. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan your father's sake. And will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather. And you shall eat bread at my table continually. As I read through the scriptures, I wondered why Ziba would address Mephibosheth as lame. When, if you actually read the beginning part, David didn't even ask him the condition. He added it to it that there's somebody called Mephibosheth. He's lame at his feet. David didn't ask him. That's how sometimes in life people treat us. They address you by your situation. Even though once upon a time you have been up there, but things didn't go well. Instead of addressing you by their name, They address you by your situation and make you look as though you are the first person to have experienced that kind of situation. Mephibosheth was in a place called Lodiba, which means a barren place, which sort of makes his um, situation quite tough. It was one considering his condition and also to be at a place that is barren. It's almost as though his life has come to an end. But I like David's reaction. He says, Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir. That's the King James Version. He sent him and fetched him out. It shows the seriousness with which David went for Jonathan's son. He sent and fetched him out. 
Now, let's see how the story ends. He says, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said to Mephibosheth, and he answered, here is your servant. So David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather. And you shall eat bread at my table continually. Somebody, the covenant is about to speak for you. The covenant is about to change your story. David had a covenant with Mephibosheth's father. But with the passage we just read, the covenant was speaking on his behalf. That is why it doesn't matter the situation you find yourself. Bible says if you are in Christ Jesus... You were a seed of Abraham, an heir according to the promise. And a seed of Abraham, you have access to every provision God made in the covenant with Abraham. So things may have been tough for you. Things may have been messy for you, but don't give up. Look yourself in the mirror and tell yourself, I'm a seed of Abraham. Situations might have not been well for me, but I'm a seed of Abraham. The covenant will speak for somebody this morning. The covenant will change your story this morning. The covenant will change your status in Jesus' name. The second reason why we have to engage the covenant is because it increases our confidence in God's promise. The opening verse we just read in Deuteronomy, he says, Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations, with those who love him and keep his commandments. Therefore know that your, the Lord your God, he is faithful. There are several other synonyms to also explain the word therefore, such as as a result of or for this reason. So let's see something interesting from verse 6 of the same chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 7, from verse 6 downwards. For you are a holy people, Deuteronomy chapter 7 from verse 6. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did. The Lord did not set his love for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people. For you were the least of all the peoples. But, and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh the king. Then from then the verse seven. Therefore, oh, the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Meaning with God's commandment, it goes beyond you. It affects not just you, but also generations after you. 
generations years to come after you, generations yet unborn. Jeremiah 33, verse 20 to 21 says, That says the Lord, if you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that there will not be day and night in their season, then my covenant may also be broken with David, my servant, so that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne. And with the Levites, what God is saying in Jeremiah that we just read is that if you can break my covenant with the day and the night, God has a covenant with the day and the night. So there's a time when there's night, there's a time when there's day. God is saying, if you can break my covenant, by breaking that covenant, it means you become. Determine when they should come. You can be able to determine when night should come. God is saying, if you can break that covenant I have with day and night, then you can also break my covenant. So as a church, what it means is that from the rising of the sun to its setting, every day you see the sun rise and set is an assurance that he does, he who watches over Israel neither sleeps nor slumber. If he has said it, he will surely do it. That is why he says, my covenant will I not break. My covenant will I not break. What promise has God given you? He says, if you can break my covenant with the day and night, then you can break my covenant with you. But because you can't break it, it means whatever I've said over your life will surely come to pass. It doesn't matter what you are going through. Whatever I've said concerning your life will still come to pass. In Jesus' name. The third reason why we have to engage, we have to engage the covenant is because it gives us security. It gives us security. Abraham didn't really do anything to warrant the promise God gave him. If you read Genesis chapter 12, it's interesting. I can imagine how most of us will react. I mean, you are somewhere minding your business. Then you hear a voice, get out of your father's house to a place I'll show you. It is easy if God had said, maybe get out from Accra to Kumasi. That one, you know, if you, even if you set off. But he says, get out from your father's house to a place I'll show you. So until he has shown you, you are just going. You don't know where you are going. How many of us will be able to do that? How many of us will be able to take that bold step Abraham took? Hearing a voice, leave everything behind to a place who show him. Yes, we can say Abraham acted out of faith, but if you look at the scenario carefully, you realize that it took more than just faith for Abraham to act. Now, the question is. Why would God then make covenants with man when man has nothing to offer him? God doesn't need anything from us. He's God all by himself. He's complete in himself. 
He's God regardless of us. Why then will God choose to make covenant with man when man has nothing to offer him? Why? That's a question we have to ask ourselves. Why would God make covenant with Abraham when he has nothing to offer him? Because if you look at the situation carefully, God making covenant with man is um, sort of to his disadvantage because as a matter of fact, it is we. If anybody will break the covenant, it is we humans who break the covenant, not him, because you are not perfect. But yes, regardless of that, regardless of our imperfection, God still went ahead to make covenant with man. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? That should tell us that there's something God sees in us, maybe probably we don't see about ourselves. He being in covenant with us is to reveal himself through us to the world. Is to show himself mighty in our lives. Like I said, it took Abraham more, more, uh, a lot of effort than we think for him to act. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 13 to 15 says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could not swear, by himself saying surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you so after he had patiently endured he obtained the promise God had to go beyond just a promise when he was dealing with Abraham he had to swear by himself so in establishing a covenant with Abraham the covenant is a composition of a promise and an oath that is what caused Abraham to take that step. If this God cannot just promise me by swear by himself that he will do this, then I'll take that step. Then I'll take that step. And he's made those provisions, several blessings that comes with the, uh, the, the, the covenant. Prosperity, divine health, deliverance, protection. He's made all those blessings available. And as his children, we have access to them. We have access to them. God translating the promise into a covenant is to help us have an unwavering faith. To help us have an unshaking faith. To give us a sense of security. That whatever he has said, he will surely do it. Church, that promise he gave Abraham is a lifetime insurance. It's a lifetime insurance. That is why Abraham could take that step because he knows even after I'm gone, my children, my children's children will also benefit from this same promise. My children's children will also benefit from this same promise. In the same way, our children, our children's children will also benefit from this same promise. We also benefit from this same covenant. We also get access to every blessing that comes with this covenant. 
the last reason why we have to engage the covenant is because it has the capacity to make you. The covenant has the capacity to make us. When we read Genesis chapter 12, we see an expression God uses. He says, I will make you. I will bless you. I will make you. I will bless you. This gives us an idea that the resources needed to enable us become who God has destined us to be is resident in the covenant. Anything God has determined us to be is resident in the covenant. Because the blessings that becomes with God, the blessings that God, one thing we have to understand is when God grants us his blessing, it comes with his bucket. When God grants us his blessing, it comes with his bucket. When God told Abraham, walk with me and I will bless you, what he meant was that, walk with me and I'll have, you will have my full bucket. Walk with me and you have my full support. Walk with me and I will take you far. Walk with me and I will take you places you never imagined. You will have supernatural supply. Your name and identity will change. You experience unusual fruitfulness. When you have this understanding, the enemy cannot threaten you. Because you know there's something you can stand on, which is the covenant. And that's why as a child of God, you have to engage that covenant. You have to engage it to be able to make use of the full benefit and the full blessings that comes with it. God's relationship with us in, is in covenant relationship. And his nature is that he keeps that covenant. That's his nature. He's faithful. He keeps that covenant regardless of what we do. Even in our limitations, he's still faithful. But God has made several provisions available. Prosperity, protection, deliverance, fruitfulness, supernatural multiplication, etc. All available in this covenant. And in fact, it's actually a complete package. A complete welfare package. So it's important that as his children, we are able to exploit it to the fullest and trust in his nature to keep his covenant. As his children, we must ensure that we exploit every blessing available in that covenant and trust in God's nature that he will keep his covenant to the latter. God bless you.